Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito. Shelly's looking at me very upset. Like because we were just talking about something and then BAM you just turned it on. I like to turn it we're, on. We're now official. We're now official. It's happening. Alright, now it's professional time. Let's be professional and talk about professional things. Okay. Like um what do we have to talk about? See? I really screwed up. Sorry. Well, uh Dungeons Dragons Live uh from Meltdown happened. That was great. Do you remember that? Yeah. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. It uh, Very cool was an extravaganza. It was. We talked about a lot of things, uh, most of them being uh, our new storyline. We got some big news. We got some big news. Yeah. Yeah. Storm King's Thunder is out. Or will, you know, the, the news is out, but it won't the be out until out. Uh, 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 September. That's a very cool story. Right? You'll check that out then. Love um, the artwork. I've been staring at that for like two years. Yeah, so. and we're going to totally dive in deep to, uh, before we get to our, our, our guests, uh, we'll hopefully be able to get in deep into some of this lore uh, with a new segment that we're calling Lore You Should Know. Yeah. That's awesome. Me and Shelly. Love what you're doing with the podcast. We're going to talk to uh, Chris Perkins and his story team, like mm-hmm. Adam Lee and Richard Witters. Yeah, how cool is their jobs? They are, their job is amazing. Yep. Yeah, Matt Cernet as well. Yeah. Uh, th- his beard will speak for him as well. Yes, we probably need another microphone for that. Yeah, right. Can we get on that, Ryan? We need to yeah, uh, get some of that. Beard a phone. Uh, we'll we'll be doing that uh, over the course of the summer. So you get into all, you can delve deep into the lore uh, behind the giants uh, and uh, all the the various things that is going on in Faerun. Do you think that Matt would put his beard on Perkins's head just for a second so I could see what it looks like? Uh, yes. Now, will Perkins let him do that? That's the question. He'll let him. Okay. If you ask. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll have to take pictures so that people can, can I sh- can't. see I just, the madness yeah, that happened. I kind of need this to happen. Yeah. So uh, D&D Live from Meltdown happened. Uh, Chris good. Perkins was there. There was no beard on his head as far as I know, but uh, uh, that uh, images may come out on the AP Newswire that, uh, about all that with him he, and Matt Mercer, uh, as yeah. well as uh, Brian Pesane, uh, Allison Hayslip, and some wonderful other people who came to hang out and talk about Dungeons & Dragons and play Dungeons & Dragons. So check out their new show, uh, which will be coming out uh, weekly on our Twitch channel. Um, Still in the works as to what exactly we're going to call that. Uh, this being Open in the past, you will know because you've watched D and D live uh, from Meltdown, yeah. so you'll know it then. Wow. We don't know it right now. That's the crazy madness of being a time traveler. Totally related to all of that. Yeah. You know, I was so bored on maternity leave that I used to like take my hair and put it on Quinn's head and then take pictures and like email all my friends. That is very related. <laughs> To what we were talking about. Totally and related. also our guests that are going to be coming up soon. Yeah. We'll be talking to John <laughs> August and Craig Mazin uh, from the uh, Script Notes podcast. Uh, that'll be tons of fun. I know. Um, I'm, I mean, I, but they're like a real podcast. I know, and I really want to pick their but brains. don't you feel awkward talking to real podcasters? No. We're real podcasters, Shelly. Okay. Wait, are you? Let me see your card. <laughs> Let me see your uh, union card. Okay. I actually left it in my car. That works. That totally works. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're good. Oh, okay, Do you good. have anyone to vouch for you? You. But I'm the one who's asking the Brian? questions. Brian. Ryan vouches for it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Giving me the thumbs up. Uh, what else is going on in uh, in your world, Shelly? Oh, my uh, God. Betrayal is coming out Did you in see? October. Did you see the, the product? Hot off the press? Hot off the presses. Yeah. We've got a few early it. copies. Yeah. That, we're, that we, you know, check for quality issues yeah, and right. it's just it's like the most perfect thing ever it's like a proof yeah but it's the real deal it's like actually what people will see when they open their box yeah I, my hands were shaking like i kind of felt like i don't want to open it oh, but that's pretty exciting everybody was like well you actually have to this is your job <laughs> <laughs> you actually you, this isn't just a decoration they made it you, sound like they were sorry for you like well oh, i'm sorry you have yeah to. you're gonna have yeah. to actually like take a this look at the important. inside like it might have a totally different game inside that's what we're checking. Oh, what if they screwed up and they put like Monopoly in there? <laughs> that would be weird. And That'd be not, weird. Not cool, man. I bet people would be upset. Mike Selinker would be upset. Yeah. Find out all about uh, the expansion for the betrayal at the House on the Hill, Widow's Walk. Widow's Walk. Uh, which we spoke to Mike Selinker on a uh, previous yep. episode of this podcast. We'll probably talk to him again. Talk to him again. Yep. What are we going to talk to him about? Widow's Walk. Oh, okay. But, or like, you know, dive deep into the different deep, haunts and stuff. Yeah. We'll talk to some of the contributors, too. Yeah. Ooh. Right? I like that. That's like a great that idea. Cool? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, there will also be uh, 
We're going to have Wolfgang Bauer on again because he was so entertaining the last he's time so he was funny. here. Yeah. He gets, I think we should just go full on and just serve, serve drinks when he's here next time. Let's. Yeah. Ryan's nodding his head to that, too. Yeah. I like the, we're, we're on board. I yeah. would love that. We just, we're going to turn this into, I think someone said this on, on Twitter once, but the uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda of, uh, of D&D Podcast. That's oh me and you. I love that. Can I be Kathy Lee? Yes. Okay, good. I'd love, rather be Hoda. <laughs> yeah. You're totally Kathy Lee. <laughs> nice. Speaking of which, our guests today, yes. they have actually in, in some of their podcasts compared themselves to Michael and Kelly. Oh. Michael and Kelly live. Well, or Kelly and Michael. I'm totally what? Kelly in that situation. Oh, I will totally be Michael. Okay. I will. Yeah. By the way, I'm quitting and I'm not going to work on the show anymore. You're, you're going <laughs> to audition for uh, <laughs> no, the I open got, spot, right? Because isn't he quitting? He did quit, yeah. What? He's now going on Good Morning America. No. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for confirming that. Really? Yeah. That's but crazy. But he didn't, Kelly didn't know. Oh. She found out when everyone else found out. And I kind of feel like Burn. if you were going to just leave the podcast, that you would tell me. I wouldn't find out with you sitting by there the going, way, by the way, this is my last podcast. This is my last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my last podcast. Oh, God, no, I'm, I'm quitting. quitting. <laughs> All right. Well, before we quit, we're going to talk to uh, John August, uh, a screenwriter, uh, perhaps best known for writing Big Fish, but he's written a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and he has a Script Notes podcast uh, in which uh, every week him and Craig Mazin... I think he's got a Charlie's Angels credit. Oh, and Charlie's Angels as well, yes. That's kind of... Oh, God. That's I kind of awesome. his brain about that, too. That's like such uh, a D&D no. movie. Totally. Uh, yeah. The, the ultimate adventuring party. My favorite part of that... I'm going to talk to them about more. If it comes up, of course, naturally throughout the course of the conversation. Right. But that 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 villain turn that Sam Rockwell does in I hope he did the, the first one, not one of the other ones, because now I'm totally screwing it up. But the villain turn at Sam Rockwell where you like he's he's like the nerdy computer guy. Yeah. And then like he puts on music and then like starts like dancing. Teddy Pendergrass. T- he puts on Teddy Pendergrass <laughs> and totally Turn takes a shower. <laughs> And after the shower, he comes out and he's total villain. And it's what happens one of my favorite moments yeah. uh, in in movie history. He just I'm showered off all the good guy stuff. Better than every moment in Godfather Two or Taxi Driver or uh, you oh, know Ghostbusters. It's that moment. It's That's pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty much this the is a ultimate very, moment very in informative <laughs> podcast so far. No, I mean theirs. <laughs> you didn't mean ours? Ours is not the, the most informative. Oh, Tito. Oh, my gosh. All right, so we're going to get them on the horn and uh, uh, and talk it up about, um, because I didn't know this, they're huge D&D nerds and uh, know well, all I about the latest storylines. Well, I knew there had to be some lines. connection, I guess. Yeah, and we're going to talk this about... This is not just about furthering our screenwriting pursuits. I know, right? When are we going to write? But it might but be. But it be. It's kind of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, after this, we'll send them our script. We'll be like, can you give us some script notes? Get it? It's the name of your podcast. He's going to be like, why did didn't they talk about D&D at all? They and just why are they like, stage whispering the whole time? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Would you read something? I just sent it to you. We're awful people. All right, so we're going to get them on the phone right about now and <laughs> be way more professional than we just were. Welcome, you guys. It's great to have uh, Craig Mazin and John August from the Script Notes podcast. Hi, guys. Hello. Yay. 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 How are you doing on this, uh, this fine, sunny uh, West Coast afternoon? Very well. I've been up since five o'clock. Uh, I, I'm still on sort of jet lag London time, and so I got a lot done this morning. So the good thing about writing in the morning is I feel like I can just screw around the rest of the afternoon. That is true. That is a good yeah. thing. I don't need that excuse to screw around for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> and uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I feel like I'm still jet lagged. Don't know why. It's just my life. You just haven't traveled at all. You're just like I'm just normally jet lagged. Yeah, I wake up jet lagged. Yeah. I will all. say, since we started playing D and D again, we'll play on Sunday nights and. So it'll go to like midnight often at Craig's house, and then I still have like a 45-minute drive home. So sessions where we've gone late, uh, I do have jet lag for several days thereafter. I just can't stay up that late the way I used to. God, I remember those days, uh, especially yeah. when I would, uh, I, where I was playing Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like a one- to two-hour commute home really? afterwards. So we would play sometimes till one and then get home at four. And then, yeah. That's crazy. I was gone I was yeah. for the rest of the week. But no, actually, it's a good, it's good. I'm I'm going to give John a new way to get to his house from my house because it really should only take 20 <laughs> oh, no. minutes. Are you guys like the stereotype? It takes 20 minutes to a Tesla, but yeah. I don't have a Tesla like Craig. So. <laughs> True. That's, you guys are, are proving the stereotype of the, the, the Los Angelinos who, who talk about how to get from point A to point B. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not a stereotype. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. And the traffic. Well, 
<laughs> or that, how to get from Neverwinter to Fandolin. It's it's all you know. It's it, dangerous no matter how you do it. So. I, I respect the fact that you're trying to bring it back to D and D over I, and over. I, I try. <laughs> that is my function in a podcast. Is the person who steers us back on the course. <laughs> but, but John, you can relax and just let them do it. I guess I can. Well, we're not That's true. Not my, it's not my we nature. Won't. All right. Well, we'll start with you then, uh, uh, John, since uh, this is all about uh, Dungeons and Dragons and how it pertains to screenwriting. Uh, where did you start? Playing? When did you start playing Dungeons and Dragons? What's what was your origin story? How did you become a a D and D superhero? I first started playing when I was about ten or eleven. This is in Boulder, Colorado, and my friend Diego Rodriguez uh, taught me how to play. Uh, we were playing D and D, but we were also playing Top Secret. So I'm not sure which one came first. He had an older brother, mm-hmm. Juan, who was a, like a pretty good DM, and so I got to play as like an elf. And I think the first versions I was playing were the, the literally just D and D version 1.0, um, and then later on. I, we quickly segue to AD&D, and we were sort of very classically that kind of original Dungeons & Dragons thing with a player's handbook, DM's Guide. And um, I remember spending most of my grade school and junior high life just poring over those books and sort of uh, learning a lot of sort of how Gary Gygax wrote and that sort of weird, under-edited style that those original books were written in. Yeah, totally. So were you a, uh, did you start out as a player or a dungeon master? Um, we did both. So um, my friend Hallett DM'd some, but I did most of the DMing. It's a group of like three of us, sometimes four of us. And uh, we didn't do a lot of the prepackaged manuals. We did a, uh, sort of the prepackaged campaigns. Mm-hmm. We did um, Ravenloft, I think was the only one that I kind of remember doing. I bought some of the other modules, but we never used them. Um, but we did play a lot of sort of one-offs out of Dungeon Magazine. Yeah. And we would sort of stitch those together for sort of bigger campaigns. That's cool. What was it about that uh, that first experience that uh, really made you want to go back to the books and pour over them for them later? Like, what was what was the introduction like? Well, I think there's that sense of sort of esoteric secret knowledge that like, oh, there's something behind this, and there's some way that all these rules are fitting together. I was never a mm. sports guy, but I think there was that same sort of desire to obsess about the details and figure out how to optimize and sort of what is the best combination of things. And there's also that sense of sort of um, I know the the weird kind of intellectual honesty. Like I would I would actually roll my dice for all my statistics, and like if the if a character turned out badly, I would throw it out and like start all over again. Mm. Um, and that very classic, like you know, sort of religious purity kind of of how you sort of write your character, create your characters. Um, I loved that, but I very quickly sort of segued into that kind of the world building of it all. And through high school, we were playing much longer campaigns where we'd have characters who grew and changed and have these incredibly elaborate family trees and the Dark Horse clan and sort of all the lands that they would rule. And that was fantastic. Ooh, Dark so Horse what clan. came first for you? Was it John the storyteller or John the D&D player? Um, I was always a writer. So I think I was a writer before D&D. I, I remember writing stuff as early as like second or third grade. I'd have them in little short stories. But um, it was a great way of sort of moving from like the little adventures in my head or sort of like the, you know, playing James Bond in my room uh, just, just sort of as if I was that character to playing with a group of people and also that sort of that feedback of trying to tell a story together and listening to what they're saying. There's a, a quality to good D&D that sort of feels like a great improv group where you're feeding off of each other and learning how to do that was really crucial. What about you, Craig? Where, does, where did you begin uh, your Dungeons & Dragons journey? I was a little older than John. I think I was uh, my freshman year of high school, so we're talking about 14 years old. And I actually didn't start with Dungeons and Dragons. I wanted to. I, I used to go with my dad was a game. Uh, I don't even know what the hell he was doing. It was in the basement. <laughs> Sounds terrible. But he had painting miniatures or something like that. Well, kind of. He had. You guys might know this. It was a. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a World War II game. It was a hex map, and he had billions of little pieces. And I wasn't allowed to go near it. And mm. he would just go down there and fight World War II by himself. It sounds like maybe <laughs> Memoir Forty Four. Okay. Wow. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It, it seemed pretty intense, but he would. We would go to the mall, and he would take me to the to the game store, and I would sit and just flip through the the D and D modules, and so desperately wanted to play, but none of my friends did. So I actually bought a couple of them and just read them. I can't remember which ones, but I just remember reading them like they were almost like comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my freshman year of high school, um, I started playing Top Secret, like John did, and then that turned into uh, for whatever reason. We ended up playing uh, the Marvel RPG, um, which was not great, um, but I loved the experience of it, and I loved creating characters. Um, 
and I took it upon myself to sort of write little bios for all of our characters and I, I, I don't know, I just fell in love with the rules. I fell in love with the specificity of everything. It's very similar to John, what, what attracted John to it. But um, over the years, like I, a couple of times I would, you know, I, I hit Pathfinder for a little bit and I, you know, there's a little, little bits of D&D here and there, but this is the first time in my life where I played solid D&D, just D&D solid. And like, I don't know, man, I'm heading over heels, head over heels <laughs> with, with, with fire. Yeah, that seems to be pretty, uh, a pretty common story we've heard from, from both from people we've talked to on this podcast and fans where like, there's this flurry of activity in your youth, you know, and you have like these strong memories and bonds that you associate with. You may not even play, but you have those associations with the, with the books. Mm -hmm. And then later in life, you know, whether it was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago or as more recently, it sounds like for you guys, there's this rebirth where you like get back to the game as an adult. Uh, what do you yeah. think that is? Why do you think that, uh, you know, so many people gave it up and then now are coming back? Yeah, I sort of gave it up after college. Like we would play when I would come home for college breaks and didn't really play with anybody out in Los Angeles. I think, you know, I got attracted back to it somewhat out of nostalgia, sort of like going back, like going back home and seeing my books and sort of flipping through my books. But I remember being in a bookstore and picking up the fourth edition stuff and looking through the player's handbooks like, oh, you know what, I'll just take a read through this and see sort of what's there and sort of recognizing sort of what had changed, what had stayed the same, um, where it was headed. And so I think a lot of my time had been spent playing uh, online games, like sort of the World of Warcraft has sort of taken the place of D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. um, but looking through these books and sort of seeing, it's like, oh, there's this possibility here that once Craig had proposed, like, oh, what if we played D&D &D again? What if we got a group together? I was totally down for it. And I knew there would be like brand new books I could buy. And that was exciting to me. Yeah, there's such a difference between the way you play when you're young and the way you play when you're an adult. I mean, maybe this is just my adult bias, but I think it's a better game when you have a little bit of life behind you. First of all, there's a ton of rules. <laughs> and what happens, I think, with a lot of 14-year-old kids is they read the rules they like. They kind of, you know, ignore the ones that seem sort of annoying. And <laughs> they tend to also view their characters as... Um, kind of perfected versions of themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas when you're an adult, like my character in, in our game, when I'm not DMing, when I'm, because we have, a, we have a, one group that has gone through a couple of different campaigns. So I DM'd one and, and, and then another one I play in. That character is a, is a dwarf wizard because that's just more interesting to me. It's like got so many problems. And, and so you start to appreciate the idea of flawed characters and you, kind of do love all the rules. The rules are fun. Mastering the rules are fun. I actually got back, the thing that sparked me back to it was um, friends of ours, Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, produced this documentary called The Dungeon Masters. Um, and right. I, I don't know if you guys have seen that one. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and we, we have. Just it's started, awesome. Yeah, it's great. And so we just started talking and I was like, ah, oh, I want to play and Phil, Phil is in our group and we have a great group by the way we have the best you guys have, you the, guys best have the best group ever. in LA tell us about your group in, in the world oh, I think wow. we have the best game in the world All well right. we have uh, John and I and Phil Hay who's also a screenwriter in his own right and um, you know he's big movies like Ride Along and Clash of the Titans and stuff um, we have uh, Chris Morgan who writes all the Fast and Furious movies we have Michael Gilvery, who writes on Chicago Fire. Um, we have Malcolm Spellman, who writes on Empire. And then we have uh, our secret weapon, Kevin Walsh, who is a script reader for DreamWorks, I believe, but most importantly, the hardest chorist <laughs> DM, like walking compendium of all RPG knowledge. So you always need one of those in the yep. group. Yeah. Oh man, being his DM is hard. Right, I was going <laughs> to yeah. ask, who's the DM in the group? You, Craig? It switches. Uh, yeah, Kevin and I alternate, and John oh. actually DM'd a one-off the other night, which was great. So we got back into it, and when we first assembled this group, uh, I, I proposed like let's try something like really simple and very story-based, and so we actually did dungeon quests rather than than a, a strict D and D thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very loosey goosey, and it was like fun for us to sort of get together, but it was super loosey goosey, and that's just the nature of that game system. And so we all craved a little bit more structure. And so Kevin Walsh took over the next uh, batch of gaming. And so he did Lost Minds of Fandolin. And he was just super Fandelver. organized. 
Oh my god, I can't believe <laughs> I made that. So it's Fandolin and Fandelver. That was some some. Fandolin's the town, but Fandelver is where the lost mines are. That's true. Exactly. Well, that's, that's so obvious. And how could anyone ever make that mistake? Right, because oh, no, they're lost. Yeah. <laughs> that's the they're lost, the, the yeah, lost mines. Lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. He DM'd that, and that was the great thing of seeing, like, oh, this is a way you can do it. Just, like, some of the some of the changes were fifth edition changes, which I thought were really good changes. Like, there's stuff like, you know, you know, going back to my AD&D days, like, how armor class works and, like, not oh, looking God. at a thousand tables. Like, that stuff was so much improved. The descending um, armor class has been a thing that's I been mean, a sticking point uh, forever. That it's was like, it's why can we? Yeah. yeah, we actually just talked to Mike Selinker, uh, who was uh, around at Wizards during the third edition uh, days, and he said, like, if the only thing that I contributed to that edition is getting rid of descending armor class, he's uh, like, that's a win. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, uh, wait, I remember, like lower is better? What? <laughs> yeah. Never made sense it to me. It blows your mind every single time. You're like, why would you ever do that system? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I know. Well, because Gary. Gary Gygax. More no, Gary. And so, uh, you know, it was great to see Kevin sort of coming in and like just he just had more experience, more information about like great ways to do it, like just great ways to handle initiative and how to sort of get us through uh, the work of of the gaming and how to play different characters. Like, you know, so often when I was DMing as a kid, like all characters sort of sounded the same. And it's like mm-hmm. sort of to actually do the homework on figuring out like what is this person going to sound like and to really make it a, a fun sort of group activity. So that was... Uh, that was great to sort of be able to come back to D&D and see what it could be like um, with smart people playing it and playing their hearts out. Do you think there's any difference in playing it with people whose you know, day job, ostensibly, is creating <laughs> stories yeah. for other people to embody? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think we're much less worried about sort of optimizing for, um, for sort of best effect. And so, you know, Craig's Dwarf Wizard is a great example because that, that shouldn't be a thing that would work especially well. Like you have a lot of penalties for doing that, but it makes it for an interesting set of flaws and a fun character to play. Yeah. 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 We, you know, they're on both sides of the table, both sides of the screen, I should say, our storytelling nature helps. You know, when I'm DMing, I really like to make all the NPCs. If the NPCs are proper NPCs and not just up oh, there's kobolds, well they don't have any personalities. But the actual NPCs, I, I you know I, I look at what they are in the module and then I go, okay, well that's a nice suggestion. Now let me sort of make my own thing, um, and I try and make that stuff as interesting and as entertaining as possible. We we try and be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We think our games are better when they're funny and not funny like, you know sometimes. Every now and then I'll see like um, somebody will have a podcast where they're live playing something and then they record it. And a lot of the humor that comes out of a standard D&D game is meta humor, where people are kind of making fun of each other, the people, or making fun of the game. We don't do that. We're funny inside of our characters, which is much more interesting, I think. Um, And and, tougher uh, to pull off, too. Well, yeah, but it's what we do all day, right? So what we do all day is we talk in the voices of other people. We just do it with text, and here we're doing it. It's like this one flowing four-hour-long improv session, and it really... Phil um, Phil Hayes' character in the the I, I DM'd um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and Phil's character was just fantastic. It was this kind of gruff, angry, not a cowboy because there weren't cowboys, <laughs> yeah. but but a he guy. Was a little, he was just, a little bit country. Yeah, he was a little bit country, and uh, didn't take no crap, and hmm. uh, just didn't. And he and he thought magic was was crap, not like bad, but rather. Unnatural, <laughs> and right. he would. Constantly, it, it was horseshit. Yeah, it was horseshit. He'd be like, I don't know what you just made that light, that rock glow. <laughs> That's a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> this this was endlessly amusing to us. Yes, it is to us too. I think yeah. I would love that being around that character. It if it stayed consistent, it was like yeah. you know you always knew like you could set up you know uh, ways for the humor to come. Oh yeah, we yeah. we ended up um, towards the end of Horde. You, I assume you guys have played everything, right? Yeah, you're w- well, wizards. So towards the end of Horde, they run into uh, uh, Blagothkus, the cloud giant, and Blagothkus is. I think he thinks. Well, most of these guys seem to be with the dragon cult. He's not particularly friendly to them, and the the players weren't quite getting what they needed to say to kind of unlock his interest in them and. But then, just for whatever reason, Waylon, that, that's Phil's character, just blurted out, fuck dragons. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> and and Blagothkus was like, you, 
I'm talking to you. <laughs> and the two of them had a whole discussion, <laughs> made fun of everybody else. They didn't get it. it. They had like a real meeting of the minds. These were the things that we, this is why we love to play. I mean, yeah. I, I would do it all day long if I could. That's awesome. You like made, a, 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 I don't know what the, the screenwriter jargon for that be, but like a make cute kind of thing. Like a, yeah, it was like, it was like a meat kill. Like they had this soulmate moment, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's super cool. I think the other thing which has been good about us playing as, as storytellers is you recognize what are the sort of basic characteristics of this character and how can I use them to actually inform who they are as a person. So the character that I played in Craig's campaign there was Gilly Greenleaf. And so she was a gnomish monk. And so she was just a little sprite who could just hop in there and kick some ass and run away. And some of that came from sort of this like picking like, well, what would be her good combat fighting style? And so like, so when you go for, um, you know, uh, the sort of the, the, the mobile feat, which sort of gives you almost like a free disengage. Well, I got the speed, she can get in there, she can get out. Well, that's sort of what her personality is like. And so she could be the sort of like giddy, like, let's go for it, let's, let's kick some ass. She could be the little thing who just like a firecracker who goes in there, punches and runs away and gets behind the bigger guys. And that, um, she could fight that way, but she could also really play that way. And she was tremendously fun for that reason. Yeah, I should have killed her. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> totally should have killed her. Um, so do you guys ever use your game as like a way to test out some some things you're working on during the day? Concepts, characters, tropes, anything? Or is it just straight up release? Because like you said, huh. you, you do... That's a good question. You play, or you, you write all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, well, most well, of us. <laughs> all day and Some have quotes. discipline and some don't. Yes. Yeah, I mean, according Craig to, just, yes. Or Craig for finished, a half an hour Craig in the morning. Craig just finished a, a fantasy project, and I'm working on a fantasy project right now, but I don't feel like they're very D&D adjacent. No. I mean, the, the needs of them are so very different, um, partly because in D&D, you have this ongoing campaign, you're trying to do this overall thing, you have like, this specific objective, but like movies that we're writing, um, a character's going through that story exactly once, and so you kind of, you need to know who that character was at the start, you need to know where that character is going in the middle, you need to find the challenges for them along the way, but it's not quite the same experience of an ongoing campaign with a character. Yeah, I think the big difference is that movies have to end well. The whole point of a movie is that you go on this journey and then the resolution is very meaningful and ties back to the beginning and changes this person's life and then you watch it and you think, well, whatever that character learned has relevance for me. But when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, ideally your character will survive. I've never read a module which says, by the way, at the end you have to kill everybody, right? <laughs> so, so you're going through and the idea is you will survive. And this is why, of course, all RPG endings stink. <laughs> they just stink. You know, you get to the end and you're like, that's it. <laughs> you did it. You have. You've completed you ha- the quest. Correct. You're you, back at congratulations. The right. You have the mines now. So, yeah. congratulations on the ownership of the mines. <laughs> it's not why we play. We play for the journey. Mm. So it's it's a very different kind of thinking. You can you can create uh, uh, an ending. Uh, it doesn't happen every single campaign or every single adventure, uh, but when there is that. Uh, that reckoning of something has changed or, you know, it's not just a, hey, you did the, the quest, but that, you know, whether it's, it's some character moment between uh, the, the fighter who goes down and the cleric who saves them and they were right. fighting earlier, you know, you can, but, but it's never anything that you can plan for. It's never anything that... Right. It doesn't feel good if it is, even if it is planned. Like, it has to you, come naturally. Yeah, you can't craft it the way we very carefully craft. I mean, I... I the end of Horde, I had something that I, I had set up something as a backstory for one of the characters that only he knew, and it came into play at the very end. So I had some general sense of this, but you're right, you can't plan for it. I mean, that's the biggest thing you learn uh, as a DM, is that you, you, if you overplan, you have failed. You have yeah. to plan in such ways that, you know, I mean, my little decision trees were pretty, I thought, pretty thorough, like if this, if this, if this. And inevitably, these guys would come up with something that was not on my train. <laughs> to just sc- scramble. That's sort of the underlying tension, though, in Dungeons and Dragons, is that there's this desire for order. And so that's why we have these rules, and it's why you have initiative and how everything is supposed to neatly fit together. And like, oh, did you, do you double the, the damage dice or do you roll the damage dice twice? We have all these specific rules, and yet we're also trying to encourage this chaos. We're trying to um, explore and sort of like, 
let it all be improv and let this all be sort of at, by the seat of our pants. And, and when it works great, it works fantastically. But sometimes the endings are not especially rewarding um, because of it just felt kind of arbitrary. I think another challenge with D and D endings is it's usually midnight and everyone's tired and ready to go home. And so <laughs> yeah. we, we started the night with like we were full on role playing. We were excited to be in this moment, and now we're like, you know what? I gotta get up in six hours. So let's let's wrap this up. That's a, a definitely a challenge there because as Craig and I are writing our scripts, we're starting at, at the end usually. We know what happens at the end before we start at the very beginning, and so we know what that moment is. We can't by our nature know what that moment's going to be like at the end of a long campaign. So do you think that's, you know, part of the reason why this is especially fun for you and your group is because, you know, it's, it's the, I think Shelly and I came into us talking to you guys being like, oh, it's very similar. So it must help with your writing, but maybe that's what makes it so refreshing and fun for you guys is the fact that you can't plan for it and you don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about having that great story moment because uh, if it happens naturally, great, but if it doesn't, it, that, that's yeah. okay too. Yeah, I mean, the fun part, the most fun of what we do is our character work. You know, the story mm-hmm. work is, is, story work is, is, is the kind of the religious part of screenwriting. It is, it's very, it's, it's the most important thing, but it is work and it must be treated very respectfully and carefully and crafted and that's the hard part, but the fun part is when you know what a character is to just put them in situations and riff. So D&D is sort of gives you the ability to just do that and riff and have fun and, and be true to your character, especially when, especially when it hurts your character. Mm-hmm. To me, that's mm-hmm. the most fun. That's the difference between adult D&D and kid D&D. Kids just want to win. And I think adults, at least the good players, they want to experience everything, the ups and downs. And hopefully you have a DM who appreciates that and doesn't, you know, excessively punish you for it. And part of that is, too, from the the evolution of the game. I mean, I feel like uh, from all I've read and heard about um, what the style of game like was in the 70s, it was very much a, you know, play this module, get through it, get the most treasure, and you guys are awesome. You know, there was, you know, character was definitely there, but it was not, uh, uh, the focus on it was this kind of competitive, because, you know, it grew from a wargaming type uh, uh, right. type of, of, of culture and world. Um, but then now with Fifth, I mean, we put those flaws, the things that are not good for you, right on the front of the character sheet right. to, to accentuate them and make it this, you know, there's, there's all that real estate on the character sheet for, you know, uh, mechanics and things that you can do. But there's now a lot more of it devoted to uh, backstories. backstories and flaws and yeah. what makes your character really cool. So I think the game itself has evolved to make it more, you know, adult, as you said. I think actually that's one of the good changes I noticed. I think both it started in fourth edition and really carried through in fifth edition, which that sense of um, it's not just what class, it's not just what race, it's your backstory, it's it's who you are as a person is what defi- defines your character, and not just the the numbers for your strength and intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's the whole thing together, and that makes this fighter different from that fighter. Um, one of the things I noticed as I was reading through the fourth edition stuff. Um, I could see this pull towards like trying to make things more organized. It felt like there was a periodic table and they were trying to um, fill in all the missing little spots. And so as I would get like the, the second player's handbook and the third player's handbook, you'd see like, oh, we don't have a divine uh, striker. So we'll, we'll create a class for doing that. And everything felt very, um, very methodical. And one of the things mm-hmm. I really appreciate about fifth edition is that it, it harkens back to kind of what I remember about D and D just sort of like, but kind of cleaned up and a little bit better thought out. And so narrowing it down to those sort of core classes, but allowing a lot of variation within them has been really fun. So that's why we could have two fighters and they could be vastly different kinds of fighters, both because of the special little tracks they chose, but also because their back stories and everything that made them sort of unique. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys write any of your own adventures? Um, um, the very first thing I did as this group, I did write. Craig, you wrote some special stuff for for what we yeah, did, didn't you? Yeah, i i had to I had to customize a lot of of Horde because it. I mean, there was stuff in Horde that I thought was fantastic, and then there was stuff that was meh, not so fantastic and needed a lot of help. And I looked online, and I saw some of the suggestions people were making, and I thought ah, I could do better than that. So I did a I did a lot of customization, but. 
I haven't created a you know a soup to nuts. I mean, that Horde's a pretty long campaign. And I haven't created yeah. a soup to nuts customized homebrew like that. But right now, Kevin, who is special, is <laughs> a special man. Kevin is creating a homebrew that is a continuation of our characters that we took from one to five in in Lost Minds. So all of our backstories are going to come into play now, and uh, I can't wait to see. What what he's come up with for us? We're actually our first our first um, session is in a, I think a couple of weeks, so that'll be and that'll be interesting for me too because I would love to do that myself. It's I have to say it's so much work. I didn't realize yeah. like DMing is hard and DMing especially for this group because they they need like you can't get away with not knowing an answer with <laughs> these guys. You know you have to have thought three sixty just in case they look in a certain spot. So. Um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work making maps. It was a lot of work preparing and, and a lot of work. Also, the other thing I learned about DMing is you have to be really good at combat because you're controlling sometimes up to 30 different NPCs at once. And granted, some of them, like the aforementioned Kobolds, not tactical geniuses. But when you're dealing with, with casters and high-level casters and people like that, they're smart. And you have to know how to play them smartly without using the meta information that you have about the other play. It's it's tr- it's just a tricky job. Casters are always the ones that I find the most difficult to, to DM as. She's so always saying what because what? she always plays the wizard, yes. well, which yeah, is tons of fun. I, but then think about all the fun you have to look at all those spell lists oh, and knowing all the spells right. and what they do you just and, and cast and the same one over and over. Again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually what I go with. <laughs> Magic missile. There you go. You're dead. Yeah, I know. I play. I play wizard also. But when I'm so, I know wizards really well. But then I'm on the other side of the screen. If I've got a sorcerer and a warlock and a wizard, and then all their spells. I mean, I don't just have them spam one spell, but I will thin the spell list out. I'm not going to sit there and yeah, it's too much. You need an encyclopedic uh, uh, knowledge right there. Yeah. You need Kevin. You need Kevin. I need (laughs) Kevin. Actually, is scary what he can do. So the only thing, the last thing we played was something I DM'd, and we did Curse of Strahd, and I, we did this as a one-off, like a one-night death house, and so that's the special little module, it's sort of at the end of uh, Curse of Strahd. Yeah. And I, I sort of cut that down and like literally sort of re-photoshopped the, the basement map so that we could get through it faster. And that was actually a lot of fun, because it gave us a chance to just uh, to sort of cleanse our palette and do something very different. So I had them build evil characters, because I knew they could play evil really well, and they ran through it as evil characters and uh, fought with each other as they should do. The, <laughs> the, the big modification I did, um, which if anyone wants to try it, is on the second story of the main house, um, I had them encounter another adventuring party that was taking a long rest, um, which was sort of like a, a joke for our group because it, we're always barricading <laughs> ourselves and taking a long rest. Yeah. And uh, so they encounter this other party that's taking a long rest, who's that's sort of exactly their thing. And it's up to them to decide, are they going to, you know, partner up with this team or or kill this team and of course they tried God. to kill this team see um, did they win did you guys win craig we did we did but nice. john's giving me flashbacks too. We, oh, no. when, this is what kevin did to us we and you know another tip when your dm's saying nah, it's probably not a great place to take a long rest it's not a great place to take a long rest yeah so listen we, to we him were, listen to him we were in cragmaw castle and we had i think we had gone in through the secret door on the north side, so he had managed to kill King Grohl really quickly. And we were in his room, so we killed him, we killed the doppelganger, sorry, spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry, we, you know, we had Gundren, we had the map, but we were, we were in bad shape, and we had this whole castle to go through, and we thought, yeah, you know what, they were barricaded in here, why don't we barricade ourselves? And so we, and we had also killed a couple of hobgoblins, so we just, we closed the door, and then, and Kevin was like, well, there's no lock on the door, and we said, all right, let's just stack bodies against the door. (laughs) So we had we had barricaded ourselves in a room with stacked corpses, and some at some point about two hours into our long rest, uh, the other occupants of the castle start lit a fire outside the door. <laughs> we oh had no! To dig our way through corpses just to Burning get corpses, to the yeah. fire that started to burn us. It was a it was a great lesson. I don't know why we did that. My totally my <laughs> mind was going towards necromancers showing up, and then of course you get. You know, oh. the zombie hordes right in your in your doors now. Well, that's the thing. Kevin doesn't need to send the high level disaster away. <laughs> all, all he needs is fire, 
and we're that's it. We're done. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Nice. Not good. We survived. We survived. We survived. Well, I go. think uh, a general rule for us is like we will always find the strange way into the dungeon. So like, oh, we're gonna skip ahead and go to this place, but then we'll be completely screwed because we've missed all those other things, and they all those other things we've missed will come upon us all at once, and we'll be stuck for that. And so most of our yeah. worst experiences were being stuck in like the wrong place that we couldn't get out of. Mm. Little small passageways. Yeah. Yeah, um, Chris Chris Morgan's a big fan of always go left, and he unerringly guides us to the B-bag every time. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> always go left. Okay. Yeah. And we're dead. And there's yeah. the B-bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I love that idea of the meta uh, uh, other adventuring party. I've mm-hmm. always I've tried to use that in as many other things as I can because I just love that, I, that, that concept of there are other people who are adventurers in this world uh, and your reaction to them is just as telling about your character as your reaction to you know the so-called enemies and stuff. Um, that, and that's an old trope that goes back mm-hmm. all the way back to you know very early Dungeons and Dragons. Why do you think that is so? Uh, maybe it's just compelling to me, but wh- why do you think that is that is so interesting to to have that be something that is harkened back to almost every edition? Well, I think there's a quality to to dungeons where it feels like this was set up just for you to go through an adventure through it. And you know, like, Oh, there's, this is how you're going to get to this next thing, how you're going to get to the next thing. And the sense of like, well, why are you the only people who get to do that? I think the impetus for it for me was the way they sort of suggested you set up curse of straw. It's like this guy comes in and like drops a bag of gold saying like, Hey, we need, and this letter saying like, Hey, we need these people, adventurers to come to this town. It's like, well, why these adventurers? And so like, I like that sense of like not making, our folks feel like they're special. Like they ask everybody and like, you're just the people who happen to show up and other people will show up too. It was just a fun way to sort of get into it. Yeah. It also yeah. knocks players out of that rhythm of just presuming that everyone they encounter needs to die. I mean, it's so yeah. very typically you run into just obvious nice people who are there to be info dumps or you're running into, you know, monsters. And, mm-hmm. uh, this tends to lead to murder hoboism and, so encountering people that are like you, of course, the murder hobos will just kill them anyway, which is always fun. Um, is that what the name of your adventuring party was? Yeah. <laughs> you no, took it on we, as your moniker, the, the murdering hobos? We, we, we really try to not be. I mean, actually, we're, oh, God. And then every, t- so my wizard character, his whole thing is that he's, he r- is just wants there to be um, racial harmony in the world because he was, he was um, his family, his whole tribe was wiped out by elves who then took him and raised him as their own. And of course, he just grew up in this miserable environment where he was constantly being taunted and, and treated uh, by these racists. I mean, let's face it, elves are racist. We all know that. We and, all know that, You're right, exactly. <laughs> so he just like, he, so he's kind of went the other way, reacted the other way, and is trying to be as, as kind of Jesus-like as he can. But every now and then, of course, he has to kill somebody and he's, it's upsetting him. And then one time he did kill, he killed someone that it turned out was not bad at all. And mm. it just broke him. Poor guy. This <laughs> is broken. Yeah. Sad. Oh, uh, so Shelly was writing something down. So I'm like, she's totally got a question she wanted no, to I ask. I do. I, well, I have a couple. But do they're kind of like, it. they're not totally related to what we're talking about. That's okay. Do, do you That's have to okay. say, like, care. I'm sort of disappointed in something. What's that? Because we've been talking for over a half an hour. And mm-hmm. we have not heard Sexy Craig. Oh. Uh, I don't know why you bring him out like this. <laughs> <laughs> sexy Craig. Sexy Craig, I'll, I'll tell you true, true thing about Sexy Craig. Doesn't play D&D. <laughs> sexy Craig doesn't have no. 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 No, he's at the, he's at the he's, clubs. He's too busy. Yeah. Going yeah. through his Teddy sexy Craig, like, Pendergrass through collection. The Book of That's Wild right. Bike. <laughs> Sexy Craig probably flipped through the book of Vile Darkness once and decided, no, it wasn't for him. No. Oh, man. Who, who S- is Sexy Craig? Sexy Craig has an 18 sexy. <laughs> 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 He's so, uh, Sexy Craig is everything I'm not. There, there, there you go. Ask my wife. Ask she would, <laughs> my, my, my wife would be horrified by Sexy Craig. By the, I don't even think she knows Sexy Craig exists. Oh, nice. We yeah. have to send her, send her a copy of the podcast. Well, she like she'll read the transcripts and she's like, "What's Sexy Craig?" I'm like, "You don't want to know." No. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Just working working through some characters. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Working through some issues. <laughs> <laughs> Midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I liked Sexy Craig. It made Thank me laugh you. when. He was like, 
Sexy Craig said, Sexy Craig doesn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, that's the opposite of sexy. He was referring to like him being like, because John starts to feel uncomfortable and awkward. I know. And oh, right. like, Don't worry, I'm not going to be here long. <laughs> <laughs> sexy Craig is so sexy, he needs to move on to the next right. encounter. So. He does not last long. He gets his sexy time in and then moves to the next sexy segment. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, baby. Sexy Craig has a schedule to keep. (laughs) (laughs) He's nothing if not punctual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very sexy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Punctuality. Chicks dig it. Well, Got to show up lost, on time. Lost yeah. total. This is is John's nightmare, by the way. This is exactly what he tries to How could I not bring it up? Yeah. Uh, I thought for sure he would have just. Popped in here, but he hasn't. Yeah. He's clearly not interested in the D and the D. No, no I'm I, I, I'm letting it flow right through. That's <laughs> me, me too, John. I think that's important. All right, all right. Back to the topic. Back, yeah, back to, to the reality. Yeah. Not sexy stuff. So since you, I mean, how long have you guys been uh, meeting regularly uh, with this group over the last? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just looked it up. It was uh, end of 2013 is when we met. With oh this wow. Group okay, so time. good, like three years. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. yeah. Do you think, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about how, uh, uh, you know, your screenwriting and everything has been affected, but do you think you've approached characters or, or, or things differently or resolutions differently ha- having, you know, this this kind of weekly wor- story workshops that you guys have been doing? I wish it were weekly. It's been, um, it's every four to six weeks at best that we right. actually get together. Yeah. I forgot so, we're adults. Yeah, we're adults. <laughs> I know. Uh, so scheduling yeah, that stuff has been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it's affected my screenwriting as much as my screenwriting has really you know, affected sort of how I play D&D and like my desire for flawed characters and for um, situations that don't have sort of easy resolutions is uh, is fun. It's just figuring out like what's going to be a good setup for a good challenge. And also, but to a degree, like letting go of the expectation of like knowing how it's going to end. And so when I'm coming in as a player, that's actually a huge relief because I don't, I'm not responsible for everything else. Like whoever's DMing is responsible for it. As a DM, I want to set up this, it's like you're setting up for this party and you're going to let this party be what it wants to be. And so you make sure you have the food and the drinks and the music playing, but let the players actually dictate what's going to happen. And I think as a kid, it was, you know, as a teenager trying to DM, I really wanted to have way too much control. And the ability to sort of give up control and give it up to the group has been a great part about playing as an adult. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't think of it as necessarily helping my screenwriting, but it's I I don't know. Maybe like basketball players in the NBA, sometimes you'll see they go and play a pickup game somewhere just because they get to do what they do without all the stress of what they do. Yeah. And so it's nice. It's freeing. You know, you can you don't not everything has to be a winner. You know, um, but you sometimes just by being free, it's the best. So it's it's playing and in the best sense of the word playing and it just it's um it's purely good i mean it's one of my favorite things to do and um you know like john i i like playing both sides of the screen because i love i love dming because i love the players and i i'm rooting for them and i like setting up situations i always feel like if i if you almost die and don't i've done my job you know yeah and and uh, you know that's so that's fun. It's fun helping them, and I love watching what they do. They surprise me every time, and I can only imagine on the other side of the screen what it's like. You know, when Kevin's DMing and and we pull some crazy Ivan or some just baloney move, and and he has to kind of go with it because you're you're fans of the characters. That's fun. So I don't know. It's just to me, it's just a delight. You know, it's not work at all. It doesn't really overlap with what we do. It's it's just fun. It's more like a poker night. It's you know, it's like a poker night with yeah. homework going into it, mm-hmm. and uh, and for that, it's been just great to be able to sort of focus on something that's not at all our jobs for the six to eight hours that we're playing. You yeah. like those sirens coming? Here it comes. Yeah, yeah. Good we, we heard this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles um, is totally a safe neighborhood. Huh? Don't worry about it. Oh no, he's not in Los Angeles. He's in Pasadena. Oh, Pasadena is where they have all the yeah. the fire trucks. As uh, yeah. you're in Pasadena, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, wealthy lady got a little faint. That's what that is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I totally know what you're talking about as far as uh, uh, the joys of DMing. You kind of get to uh, 
lean on your players. I mean, I, I did the Out of the Abyss uh, uh, live stream campaign over uh, 14 sessions, I guess, from like fall wow. to winter here yeah. uh, at Wizards. And we only did like, you know, two to three hour sessions and live streamed it, which made it totally different because you're you're not only playing for your players, you're also going for pure entertainment value right. a little bit more than you would be just in a normal, you know, group around the table. Um, but it was a, it was a great way to just like kind of you know turn your brain off and focus only on the storytelling and on what makes uh, the players have the most uh, most fun. Um, but that brings me up in talking about live streaming and 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 that vein of Dungeons and Dragons play that has grown over the last five years ago. Have you paying attention to, to like Critical Role or Acquisitions Incorporated, the other kind yeah. of live play stuff? Uh, and has has that changed how you thought about? No. Or have you yeah. thought about recording? Or yeah, have you guys thought about Live recording? Streaming. No, I mean you know we I've I've heard a couple of them and and I get what they're doing, but I'm just <laughs> sounds really boasty, but we're the best. We're just the best. Oh, <laughs> so you guys have to turn on no, the cameras they now don't, because That's like, the they point. can just keep that clean. Exactly, it's oh. ours. Yeah, it's ours. You, we too are too bad. Like you didn't. Is I that know. how the you know Guinness Book of World Record works? You just be like, well, we're the best. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, no well, testing right. necessary. I'm just take That's your right. Word for it. Yeah. Basically, oh. you just have to presume that I'm not. Yeah, we're the yeah. best. <laughs> we're just the best. So I don't want to. Do you agree with that, John? Are you guys the best? I think there's a more practical concern is that. In between, sort of all the the D and D stuff happening, the little side conversations would actually ruin our careers because we talk so <laughs> candidly about uh, that's what I want the, the hear. stuff in Hollywood and, and like one little slip of if, if a microphone were, were bugged in there somewhere, we would we'd be done because uh, yeah. we talk very honestly about the things that something. are actually really well. Happening. I mean, I, I, I won't tell you I won't tell you names, but one of our players, his character. His character's name is a producer in Hollywood. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that's that tells you. And Wait, oh is my this gosh. the the one that doesn't like magic and? No, no, that's my. That's oh, no, no. That's, oh. oh no, no, that's Waylon. No, he's no, he's just Waylon. Good old Waylon. We, by the way, the the other thing about our group that's kind of amazing is that everyone has a different play style, but all of us are pretty good with the rules. Like I actually believe almost all of us could DM. Um, except well, for yeah. Malcolm. So yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm I think every group should have a Malcolm. So we've been playing, like John said, how long now, John? Three years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in our last session um, that I was DMing, uh, Malcolm wanted to shoot someone with his longbow, and I was like, okay, but you're, he's within five feet, so you're going to be attacking with disadvantage. And he said, what, what's disadvantage? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm Malcolm. Yeah. You're the Malcolm. I'm the Malcolm. You're totally the Malcolm of the group, yeah. You have to I have think a that's Malcolm. True. Yep. And I'm just like, seriously? Yeah. Still? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they, I mean, I think they, uh, definitely Dungeon Masters should have a pretty good handle on, on, on combat and rules like that. But, you know, I, I've always cautioned people uh, about being too sticklers when they're Dungeon Mastering because it, that bogs down the game and it... Ultimately, yeah. it doesn't really matter who knows the rules or, or what, as long as it stays consistent and you and you're you're both having you know a fair adjudication. Like you know, I'm very happy with just letting things fly, and I think Dungeon Masters because the last thing we want is for people to be like, well, I can't Dungeon Master because I don't know the rules inside and out. And uh, I've always constantly like, hey, don't worry about that. Just just play and, and and do do what makes sense for the story and for the fun. Yeah, I I think that that's right. I mean, there's there's different kinds of games. You know, some games. There, everybody has an expectation that the rules will work a certain way. It's hard when you have a player who is really good at the rules. I can't, like Kevin can't play at a table where somebody's winging it on the rules. It'll his his rigid mind will explode, <laughs> just blow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, if you have a group that's more cash, like you know, I DM another game um, for my wife and a few of our friends, and that's definitely way more casual. And I, yeah. though I know the rules very well. I don't really. I mean, we have one, one player, um, Katrina. Her, she plays a wizard named Felinity, uh, who's just sort of cat obsessed, and oh. you know is constantly casting Font Familiar. And I'm like, eh, it's an hour casting time. Go ahead, just make the cat. Yeah, <laughs> you, you love the cat. Plus, I get to kill the cat all the time, which <sighs> is so much fun. Oh, you're a terrible oh, person. What yeah. the cat? Sometimes the the whole point is that the cat is. Oh, I'll send my cat in first. Okay, the cat sees <laughs> Hobgoblin, and then <laughs> and that's it. Cat's yeah. gone. Yeah. 
Isn't that like an old, you know, Hollywood uh, trope of, you know, the, the villain who kills the dog is how you know it's a villain? Yeah. I mean, well, I would think that most of the, most of the creatures in the monster manual would not only kill a cat, but just eat it. Right in front of the yes, yeah. right in front of the wizard who just cast five. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, right. Thanks for the snack. <laughs> uh, while so, we have you guys on on the the podcast, I, I'm curious to know if we can tell you some of our gripes or things we didn't love about the current books, and to tell us if we can fix them. Uh, yeah, sure. Shoot, fire, so, fire away. Um, they absolutely need to come with like little sticky tabs to put on the edges because it's so hard to find anything in the player's handbook. Um, mm. The the, uh, the chapter headings are super super small, and so uh, the, the very first thing we did when we sort of got these books is we had to get like the sticky tabs to put in for each of the different sections because it's so hard to find individual things. And so like, once you actually break the book into how you need it, it's it's better. But I found it really perplexing for the first couple of weeks. I don't know, Craig, yeah. did you find the same I'm experience? So with the book? I think everybody. Well, here's the thing: you <clears throat> when they whenever they print another edition. I have no idea why they left off chapter headings just as a general header or footer on every single page. Because as you're flipping mm. through, you know, okay, I got to go to a chapter on blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, they're all just pages. So we have to put our own tabs in. The index for the um, PHB is horrendous. <laughs> it is horrendous, yeah. you guys. Because it, you'll like look up something. Yeah, like I want to know, like a, a very common question. What's passive perception? Okay, go to passive perception. See perception, see skills, see this, see that. You're you're binged yeah. around the index about twelve different times, and then you're sent to a page. So I'm. Yeah, I think I think that was done with the intention of of teaching, so that you know, we, we, like you said, you're like, oh, I'm looking at passive perception, but then you're like, oh, I remember, I need to look up perception, and I know where that is in the book, so I'll just go there. Um, but in practice, I have had that same frustration too, where you're like, I don't. I mean, as I aforementioned, live stream. The last thing you want to do is spend time <laughs> looking up rules right. uh, uh, for stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I've I've had that same that same moment. Yeah, well. so yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone there. Yeah, I know. It's it's a little, and the other. This is not a, a criticism at all. I actually love the standard character sheet. Um, and I've fiddled around with some of the custom jobs online, but actually, I mm-hmm. just keep coming back to the standard one. But I wonder if um, Wizards has ever considered um, class-based character sheets because it's just sort of annoying to have this magic paper, you know, wagging at the end of the barbarians, you know, like, or, <laughs> or just like the rogue has certain, it helps you keep track of certain things like, okay, the rogue has certain capabilities that maybe could be organized onto a character sheet that's just a rogue sheet. But um, I, uh, otherwise, actually, I mean, the, the monster manual is beautiful. The dungeon master. Love just guy. flipping through the pictures. Yeah. My my kid, my I have like a, a, a four year old and a two year old, and they just love looking through all the monster pictures and be like, "Oh, what's that all about?" And I'll be like, "Oh, well, that's the beholder, and it's got <laughs> ten eyes, and they all do different things, <laughs> and they <laughs> shoot lasers at you, and <laughs> you'll die." That's right, you'll die. If I have a criticism of the monster manual, it's like sometimes there's a sub species of something that's listed with its main thing, and I have no idea where to find it, and so you'll be looking up a specific monster, and it won't be where you sort of think it will be alphabetically because it's actually a variant of the main monster. So there have been a couple of things I've just lost altogether in the monster manual. So again, that's yeah, like dark something. dark elves is one of those two. Right. I think that's the one, that's the one that where it's like under it's under dark elves instead of under drow or yeah. something like that. Right. Like, yeah, that's a bit confusing. I do I do agree with that. But then as far as the uh, the class based character sheets, there is the you know there's the standard one, and then for magic you have the extra sheet, and you you don't like that. Is that what you're saying? No, you don't want I, an extra sheet. I, I don't mind the extra the sheet. sheet. I mean, I, I play a caster, so and I, I, the extra sheet is organized fairly well. Although I would love yeah. a, it would be nice to have. Um, well, I guess there's a little dots for pre- prepared and so forth. But um, no, I guess what I'm saying is that each class has a couple of things that are unique to it that would be cool if they were actually enshrined on the sheet itself. It would, it, I think, it would help uh, players, new players. Um, uh, as they were creating new characters, to remind them, like, okay, you should do this or you should consider this, you know, stuff to put in. Um, right. It's not, I mean, you know. Some of the, um, have you checked out some of the pre-made characters that are on the D&D website? No. We have. There's also the minds, the, the ones that came with Fandelver were sort of useful, too, to sort of see what they, they looked like. 
Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the, if you go check out the, uh, I, I'll send you the link after this, but it's got uh, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, pre-made characters and those sheets have a different format, uh, and they're way more based on story. Oh, okay. Um, so like, uh, the whole left hand column is all about, uh, you know, like what, what that character's backstory is and, and all that. And they're kind of arranged looking more like a monster manual entry for the characters rather than, oh, I like that. um, the character sheet. So, um, again, they're pre-made, so they're not necessarily things that you can adapt or change very often, but. Let me know if that's something more in line with what you were thinking. Yeah, the truth is I don't really know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's our job, to kind of make up what, you, what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. I like that idea, though. Oh, it is a cool idea, you. for sure. Thank you. Yeah, good Good. Finally. One. Good one. Good job. Thank uh, you. I would say, in general, Craig is more like the idea man, and I'm the person who actually like, builds something to actually make it happen. Nice. Yeah. So we'll contract you to design yeah. a character sheet for us then, John. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So uh, one thing, and then we'll get to uh, where um, our listeners can find out more about what you guys do. Um, but Malcolm is the writer on Empire. Is that That's correct? That's right. I, you need to find out from me. Maybe you know this already. But my wife was watching Empire a few week, weeks ago. And in an episode, they mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, that'll be And I've got ears perked up. Yeah. And I was like, what? What did they just say? And we like rewinded it. And it's like, it really didn't have anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons, except uh, it just was a, a cool little, you know, Easter egg for me, I felt like. Just, just for you. So was that Malcolm? I need to know. Uh, I, I'm sure that was Malcolm. We'll ask. It had to be. Yeah, we'll ask. But uh, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Okay, good. So can you guys like drop, give him a, give him a hand for me? Give him a big... Easter eggs and everything you're working on? Yes. Like, like as like a special hello to Greg and I? Sure. 100%. We'll have to do something sort of totally very hidden, wrote sure. that. Oh my God. Yeah, it's for you guys. Say that again, John. What did you say? We'll do something very hidden. We'll, we'll slip in a, a little Dragonlance reference or a, a something that yeah, people yeah. wouldn't otherwise catch. Yeah, yeah like, we'll it, like a movie, just like a kind of a drama, maybe a real life, a political drama. Somebody at some point will yep, say yep. something about how if you cast... Um, if you use a bonus action to cast a spell, then you have to. You can only cast a cantrip <laughs> with your regular action. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, be, just yes. just pepper that in really, yeah. really yeah. casually. It's very yeah, it like totally flows. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like yeah. no one would know really that we had slipped something in. It would just be so natural. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Or you could just name a character named Shelly Greg. Like yeah, I, that's that's yeah, seems like Shelley. a real person yeah. to me. Uh, there, I, that I seems think like I a made up Greg person. Shelley, though. That that feels like a real person. That feels um, like a real person. <laughs> exactly. Think, Greg Shelley. Sorry. Sorry the villainous organization can be the Arms of Hadar. There's 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 ways you can slick it in now, there. I actually feel like if you call the villainous organization Arms of Hadar, uh, then wizards will be suing you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. If you give us a heads up, we'll oh, just yeah. you know lightly Greg, lightly Greg sue will, you. Greg will totally we will lightly that. sue you. <laughs> it's just a gentle <laughs> suing. We'll have, our we'll have our nicest lawyer contact. Right. <laughs> we do have some really yeah. very nice They're lawyers. So nice. nice. We're not going to send you the. We'll send you the one that rolls the one d four. It's not a problem. <laughs> exactly. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. We're just going to need you to go ahead. Yeah. and Take that out. Yeah. Oh, sad. Yeah. Oh no. Sad, 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 sad. Oh no. <laughs> Sexy Craig. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, so, Sexy Craig, can you tell us uh, where we can learn more about uh, uh, script notes and all the work you guys are doing? Sexy Craig, don't listen to podcasts. Uh, John would lose his mind if Sexy Craig told you that. John is going to tell you that. John, tell them. Uh, so, our podcast is called Script Notes. It is a weekly conversation about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. We're on iTunes, like every podcast in the world. We're also at scriptnotes.net. So, uh, the first 20 episodes. The most recent 20 episodes are always free, but the back episodes, um, going back to the, the dawn of time, are at scriptnotes.net. So we are on episode 250 is this week's episode. Oh, so damn. we have a, Whoa. a big uh, track record behind us. And so when did you guys start? Was that 2010, 2011? Yeah, uh, yeah this yeah. is our, this will be, yeah. So yeah, we have three about years. About five years, three years yeah. four years. Yeah. Well, so five, I mean, of, if there's still time. 52 weeks um, in a year. So we do some live shows too, which has been fun. So uh, it's, been, it's been a a good ride. Do you have one of those coming up? You want to plug? Plug? Plug done. Uh, plug done. Yeah. All right. You didn't want to plug any more live uh, shows? I don't, nothing, I don't nothing think scheduled? we have any live shows coming up in the near future. We just did one with Larry Kasdan, who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark oh, and nice. Strikes Back and the most recent Star Wars movie, uh, Force Awakens. So that was, a, that was pretty recent. Um, we always go to the Austin Screenwriting Conference, which is in late October. Mm -hmm. And we do one there. So that uh, probably be our next one is my guess. And Cool. Uh, well, you guys got to come up to Seattle sometime. Uh, anytime you're up here, we'll take you around the uh, Wizards oh, office and show you, show you where the magic happens. Absolutely. Greg's I'm script. actually coming up to Seattle. This, uh, <laughs> oh, I just lost interest. <laughs> 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 
Damn it, Shelly. Shit. Sorry. I have no script. No, sorry, John. You're going to be in Seattle here soon? Yeah, this summer. So I'll definitely come by. Yeah, oh, definitely. We, uh, I believe my family and I will also be up in Seattle because we have cousins up there. So I would love to come see where you guys are and, and touch cool. the hem of the robe. Oh, very nice. Exactly. We'll give you some uh, some D&D miniatures to have fun Ooh. with. And Greg's script. And, I know. <laughs> Stop Lost it. Interest. I'll just have copies like out where you guys can oh, just see oh, it. Oh, uh, what's okay. this? I tripped on my what's screenplay. What's this? I don't know. <laughs> my 20 <laughs> copies of screenplay uh, that I to send you guys <laughs> well thank you guys so much for joining Our us pleasure. it's awesome that you guys are playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, yeah. down in LA and I uh, uh, can't wait to hear more uh, of, of all Dungeons and Dragons happening every single project you're working on <laughs> yep. can't wait to see the Easter <laughs> thanks guys cool thanks guys all right. bye. thank you <laughs> thank bye bye well that was awesome I'm sorry I outed you about your script you don't even have a script <laughs> I, well, I do, do actually have a few scripts, but I don't. I know. I know that doing that to people in Hollywood is like the like kiss of death. It's so thank so you lame. for doing that for me. Then yeah. Yeah. And I w- I will slip your script to them. That sounds. I'll really, do that for you. That sounds really professional. With my name and on not it. dirty at all. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> sexy Craig. <laughs> I'll put my phone number on the top and be like, call me. I think John is really creeped out by sexy Craig. A little bit. <laughs> it was fun to hear the two personalities. Uh, uh, definitely, I think I'm a lot more like uh, uh, Craig is uh, as far as both probably for screenwriting and in life. And you think I'm more like sexy Craig? You're No, you're definitely like sexy Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what you were implying. Yes, exactly. No, you're more like uh, more like John, of course. They're... Um, their podcast is really good. Yeah, go check it out it's uh, very if you haven't already. It's uh, it's like he said, it's on the iTunes, but it's everywhere, uh, and uh, it's you get a really like it's insight, a wealth in, of information, insight into how screenwriters write about screens. Right, that's what they write about. Which right? is fascinating. It is. It's mm-hmm. cool. More than one way to write about a screen. Uh, so thank you uh, so much for listening to this wonderful episode of Dragon Talk. Um, you, where you can find out everything about uh, Dungeons and Dragons at DungeonsandDragons.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Wizards underscore DND. Uh, I'm at Greg Tito, so feel free to ask me anything uh, about this podcast or, or D&D or Dungeon Mastering there. Um, and as also, you can leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways for uh, Dragon Talk to get out to a lot of different people um, and uh, have more people learn about the wonderfulness that is the the hobby of, uh, of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, also, please check out Dungeon Delve, uh, which is a, a new-ish feed, remastered episodes of all of the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, episodes going back from 2008. Ryan did a wonderful job remastering Thank them, making you, them all sound good. Welcome! Thanks, dude. <laughs> uh, but go ahead and check that out uh, if you want to catch up with all the Acquisitions Incorporated stuff uh, uh, leading up to their series, which is coming out this summer um, on a weekly basis. Uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, Chris Perkins has done a wonderful job. He said the, the session itself went amazingly well, so I can't wait to see it all happen in all of its glory. Shelly, where can they find out about uh, about you? On Twitter, yeah, at Shelly Moo. Shelly Moo, mm-hmm. and uh, what about betrayal? Where can they find out about that? At Avalon Hill Two, the number two. Electric Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Love it. And find us on Facebook, Avalon Hill Games. Sweet. Cool. Do it all there. Do it. Thank you guys. Do we'll it. see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>